Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blind Ambition with Jack Kelly. Uh, this is Rick, your friend from Blind. And today we have Tim Armenpour, who's the Chief Technology Officer at Dun 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 Pager Duty. <laughs> you might have heard of his company. Uh, Pager Duty is an American cloud computing company specializing in a software as a service incident response platform for IT and tech departments. Uh, it's been recognized by Forbes on its Cloud 100, as well as the USA Today list for top small and mid sized companies for diversity very recently. Um, it's headquartered in San Francisco and it actually has operations in uh, Canada, the Southeast of the US, the UK, and Australia. Um, Tim, did I get everything about PagerDuty right? Just about. Uh, we also have a new office we've stood up in Lisbon, Portugal. So oh, uh, wow. we're really excited about uh, about our, our Lisbon Dutonians, as we call ourselves, um, getting up and running. And um, I was just there in June, and it is definitely a, a fantastic place to go visit and even better place to work. So we're, we're super excited about Lisbon. Newtonians. Um, can you explain kind of the 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 nickname there? Yeah, it um it spawned probably more than a decade or so ago. Uh, I mean, the company's about fourteen years old. We've definitely evolved into being recognized and known for more than anything else. I think of us as like this mission critical integrated platform that really just always has to be up. Like I, I tell a lot of stories around like we're like the dial tone. For a lot of companies we're like that like when you pick up the phone it just needs to work and then i have to check myself because sometimes folks are a little bit younger have never had to hear a dial tone <laughs> and um you know I, I first had to walk people through what a what a pager was um but you know here, here we are now full circle what's a dial tone um ultimately it's it's like the power grid just needs to always be up and running our customers depend on us for that so uh, where we're starting to get used more and more and again it is that scenario where you almost you love us, you hate us, you love us, you hate us, because we will we will find you when we need to. Um, right. and more often than not, it's better when we're the one calling you versus your boss. Think of it that way. Um, okay. So, um, you know, we've uh, we've definitely evolved into more of a, again, like this integrated platform where we're being used by all kinds of organizations, not just tech technology organizations, right. because what we found is the nature of being on call when something goes sideways, it's like this interrupt driven work that shows up. It kind of just emerges and takes on its own life form. You have to react to it, you know, almost akin to like a, uh, a doctor running a trauma room, right? You don't know when the patient's coming in, you don't know what they're going to have, but you ideally are well equipped to understand the context of the patient, what to do next, how to assemble your team and the support staff around it to, to go make it better. Uh, we found that kind of work shows up in all walks of an organization. So we're being used from marketing teams to revenue teams wow. to security teams, IT and ops teams, um, all centered on this notion that when you get interrupted, it's kind of pretty important. And most likely the clock is ticking. So what help do you need to get that work done? And usually it involves someone other than you. And that's where some of that escalation factor of the natural on-call scenario comes in bring in some other experts. Ideally, you got data at your fingertips to make a good decision and either fix a thing or in some cases, like with revenue, your campaign's going so well, double your investment, make it rain, right? Um, better to know that now versus two weeks from now when you get that consolidated report and you're like, oh, I missed that window. So um, PagerDuty's definitely evolved quite a bit with, I think we've got something a little bit north of 19,000 customers 
I think 65 or so with Fortune 100 using us. Um, it's been a it's been a wild journey. I, I'm in year eight, and it feels like we're always just getting started. I I realize I might be playing a dangerous game, like pulling at the you know the, the string at the sweater and risking everything, just going the haywire. But I I have this rare opportunity, like Tim, before you joined Pager Duty. Yeah. You're the senior vice president of engineering and product at Yapstone. Uh, worked in several years in director roles and on the technical side at PayPal. Uh, obviously, different startups before then. But why does kind of this like on-call system get such a bad rap in the engineering community? Like, how can we improve what is you know kind of almost universally seen as a Kind of just like a, a terrible experience to go yeah. through. Uh, how, how do we make it better? <laughs> it's no, it's a, it's a really good question. I think um, you know part of the challenge is um, it's a hard gig to be on call, right? Right. So when you're on call, it's like again very analogous to like the world of healthcare. If you're a doctor on call, you're going to manage your time a very specific way in those off hours. You're, you're not traveling. You know, you're almost like tethered to waiting for the call to happen, right? To go answer it and deal with it because that's part of the job. So when you're on call for software and systems, it's very similar. You're kind of, you're kind of like your, your laptop is right next to you. You got your phone ready to go. We give mobile, you know, MiFi devices to engineers and whatnot. And it's pretty much you're like life feels like it's on hold for that duration. It might be two days. It might be one week. It just depends on the teams and the environment. So this notion of on call, it's just a hard gig at the end of the day. And one of PagerDuty's missions has been, how can we help make that um, easier? How can we make it uh, more well supported, more well understood such that when you're on call, it's not so hard, Rick. It's not um, when back in the day, again, you had those one or two way Motorola pagers, you would just get the page. It might have a phone number or some message when you, you know, back, I mean, high school, we had we had little pages, you could turn them around, they would say hello and things like that based on the numbers showing up. Right. But um, uh, back then you just get the page, you would know nothing. Well, nowadays, I think Pagey's done a good job of, um, especially when the founders started, their, their view is like, it doesn't have to feel like a third tier thing. It should be elevated like a first class experience status so that when you're on call and Pager Duty is calling you, it actually is a very real thing. And when you show up, we can help give you enough context so you can make a good, quick decision and be done with it, ideally, right? Put the fire out. Like, like we can help you find where the buckets of water are. How many buckets you need, we can't really tell you always. But at the very minute, we can tell you where the buckets and the water source are um, to help you out. So there's a bad rap associated with just that it's hard. And it's it's not getting any easier because complexity systems are are going up faster than the rate of knowledge and experience can um companies are getting more complex the more they want to go full digital more is riding on on the digital strategy inside companies than ever before um i talked to a lot of customers many of our customers will say words now of we uh we are a digital company that happens to monetize via via air travel we are a digital company that happens to monetize via banking Right. And so the this shift has been going on in the industries uh, probably for a better part of a decade. And now it's showing up more and more and more because a lot of the way our our lives have transformed and how we interact with with the world as we know it. And so um, behind the scenes of all that, there are people 
that are developing things, plugging things in, you know, um, uh, and um, uh, basically, you know, assuming and part of their, their job is to make sure that, that stuff works smoothly. And even when it doesn't, ideally, nobody notices. And that's part of the, the practice and rigor of getting better and better at, um, you know, um, at uh, operating what you build. So I think PagerDuty has a has a part to play to help keep put a positive dent in the universe that way. Well, you know, it seems to me from what like Rick mentioned, I could give an analogy as um, I, I've had I head up a search firm and been doing it for 25 years. And oftentimes when a company gives me an assignment to work on, there's this little bit, this twinge of when the HR person has to give it to us, like, you don't trust us doing it. Why don't you do it? Why can't we could do it ourselves? Why are you giving it to Jack? So this weird thing. So it feels like, I wonder, somebody who's this technologist, some software designer, what have you, if all of a sudden you get a ding that something went wrong, it's almost like, oh man, how dare you? I, I, my work is great. You're, you're questioning my work. You know, so it's, they take it personal. So I'm looking at it from an outside objective. Yeah. Like, I, because I, I can imagine this, I see how that is where you take it personally. Like, wait, what? No, it can't be me. You know, yeah. I wrote the Not best code. code ever. Not my code. It can never be my <laughs> code. I mean, that that's, I, I, I think you're spot on, Jack. I, uh, there's definitely like a, a vanity or ego hit at times. Um, there's also this, yeah. this notion of, um, I think a lot of folks out in the industry, um, you know, because I think software development, I think systems development, architecture, building products, has has evolved in such a into such a team sport more and more nowadays than it was maybe even twenty years ago when you just put headphones on and just start you know developing and programming and coding all on your own in your own office. That just doesn't happen that often anymore. Right. And there's a complexity factor that's kicked in that requires a small squad to work really well together to build trust and and again, figure out how to it's like, you know, grit and grind and figure out how to be resilient through um, the natural, almost like the natural different life forms that parts of software and systems take on once they're out in the wild and being used and used in ways you may not have expected. So how well can you solve? I think things have shifted a bit where it's less vanity for you as the individual. It's more like you almost feel bad that it's you. So how, how motivated and quickly are you to, to put it out? So you're not letting your team down. You're not letting your, your team of teams down, your company, your customers, et cetera. So I think that's where a lot of the mindset of the industry is shifted. At least I, I like to think that's a, that's a healthy place to be, right? And it's not a, a like internal at Pagery we talk a lot about. It's not, um, it's not an if, it's a when something goes sideways. And our jobs would be really well prepared to manage through that because it's going to happen. We just don't know exactly when always. One thing that I love, and I, I want to dig into your background here, is you, know, you joined Peter Duty to lead up the engineering team, but you also spent some time in product development. Like, How yes. did your experience um, as an engineer yourself, as a technical you know, head, uh, how did that translate in terms of like actually developing the kind of product roadmap that like yeah. strategy there? Yeah, good question. I think in my last um, company at Yapstone, where I was running um, both products and technology side of the house, right. uh, one I think for a for a tech for a technologist 
to lean into the business is probably one of the single most important things to get comfortable in doing because as a builder of things, it just helps you get more well-informed to make the next really good decision about how you're going to go about building something. It could be a small piece of software, the entirety of the product, and um, you know, understanding what are the moving parts of the business is a I think is a is, is a great way to complement you know kind of the upbringing of, of the, the technology you know career. Um, I also found it to be incredibly humbling. I mean, it is a hard job when you're in the business of finding ways to say no effectively, um, because you have no choice but to ruthlessly prioritize. Even then, you're still not prioritizing all the things well enough. There's not enough time in the day. Um, when I got into pager duty, you know, I joined the company, it was that 20, early 2015, I think it was. Yeah. Right. Um, companies just got B round funding, just crossed over $20 million of annual recurring revenue, which was a great milestone. I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is going to go somewhere. Prior to joining, I was a buyer of pager duty and a an, uh, former end user a couple of times over. So when I got a recruiter call, that was one of the easiest calls I took to learn more about the founders and company. Fell in love with the founders, fell in love with the story of why they built the company, where they're trying to go. And, uh, you know, I was the VP of engineering. It's about only about 30 people at the time. I think the company may have had somewhere between 60 and 70 people at the time. Wow. Um, so really small, crazy in a good way, um, but with a really strong like product fit out in the market that was just be, just getting going. Um, about a year in, I was asked to to bring product and technology together to help streamline things. I think for a product, PagerDuty as a technologist so close to home. Like I always like, I view it as it's like a privilege to be in, in my role where I can be so close to a product and platform offering to help influence and be a part of the, the, the resulting things that we put out for customers. Because we're, we're like, we call ourselves customer zero internally. Right. If it doesn't work for us, will it really work well for the customer? So we have this great opportunity to, to really iterate very quickly and, and learn as we go on, on how well things could be used, should be used, will be used. Um, um, but running product management where you're involved in, you know, you're talking to customers, you're talking to industry analysts, you're learning about the landscape, trying to anticipate where things need to be in a year or two down the line, developing strategy that has to take um, a, a wide variety of inputs and synthesize that, couple that with the technology strategy to help make the business go. Um, again, extremely humbling. Um, we got to a point where, you know, I, I think I also, I think I would say I, I loved and hated that, that job because okay. the, the part I always found challenging was, was how to, I think I, I learned about, you know, I think I approached this completely wrong, but I was almost trying to um, learn how to say no too often versus finding better ways to really enable us to find easier ways to say yes, right? Because um, when you're running both product and technology, like you're, you're overseeing everything soup to nuts. Right. Almost every dollar spent in the business almost like hinges on your shoulders, it feels like at times. And, um, you know, that, that in itself, a technologist, leaning into the business, building up your business acumen, understanding the business, being able to represent the business as well as you represent the technology side is probably, I, I think it's one of the, um, 
one of those unique experiences I've had that I firmly believe has helped me become just more well-rounded, you know, um, team member at the end of the day. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? Right. Cause like we've, all, we've probably spoken to 40 plus people, you right. know, fairly recently and the common denominator definitely feels the person like yourself who has a skill stack, not just, you might be an engineer, but then also you're fill in the blank. And by having those different experiences and background, it, it makes you better at your job. And I notice those are the people who kind of rise to the top too. And then if you add communication skills, which you have, then that's like the, the big package. Does that, right? Like, do you notice that pattern, Rick? Have you seen that? Yeah, it's like, it's almost kind of like, um, who is it? Flea at Gusto, the chief security mm -hmm. officer there. He said, oh, he viewed his career arc as building this, big fabulous toolbox right and each position or each role each function that he's uh, learning or grappling with is adding a new tool to that toolbox right and hopefully at the end of the day he has enough tools to do what he wants to do next right and uh, I, I, I really think that that's something that pe more people need to hear right oftentimes people get into this pressure of especially if you're younger Yes. Uh, I want to specialize in something, right? How do I like become a fintech engineer or I want to go into web three because that's trending right yes. now. Or maybe you're in college and you're like, well, I don't want a bunch of student loan debt. I want to pay it off as soon as possible. So I'm going to be a programmer and right. get a computer science degree, right? And yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, th these are all admirable things. And, you know, certainly I wish that when I was their age, <laughs> when I was younger, I had figured these things out much sooner than I had. Um, but I also think that there's some beauty in terms of just going, you know, what is it? Going horizontal, right? Yeah, and going laterally. I think I think it's lateral. spot on in that um, the more you can complement your strengths, right, with with opportunities to to learn more about maybe a different area, different discipline. Um, you know, one of the one of the things I've learned over the years, and I'm still working on it, is how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Okay. And, and I think that gets harder as you, as you take on more responsibility in leadership roles, because as you rise up in an organization, you know, I, I feel this all the time, is that, you know, your, your role actually feels more and more lonely. Huh. Because there's only like one of you sometimes in that role. Right. There's not another oh. CTO, there's not another CEO, not another chief revenue officer, so on and so forth. And, you know, one of the best ways I think to, to manage through that is one at, over the years, and one of the things I've learned a lot is, um, you know, keep building your network, keep meeting people, you know, as young developers, go to conferences, go to meetups, you know, the, the world is coming back in a good way, get out there, um, you know, submit paper, submit topics to talk about. Um, you know, one of the things we've done internally here at PagerDuty, so, um, you know, I, I helped sponsor when I first got here, but we call it PagerCon. It's an okay. internal conference that's run by engineers for product managers and engineers primarily, right? And we run it like a user conference. So we have a call for papers. We have a selection committee. We have a, um, we will rent out a venue. We basically mainly done it in um, San Francisco and Toronto. Um, people will, will pick from a, a different topic formats could be long form, 30 minutes, 
could be short form 10 minutes. Um, and, you know, pretty much it's almost like sharing is caring. So if you got a, something that you're very passionate about or you just learned about a thing and you applied it here at Patriot, spread it with the community. And I think what that's done is helped a lot of, you know, again, most developers by trade are somewhat introverted and getting comfortable with speaking skills and articulating your thoughts in a clear and concise manner. That's that's an experience and skill. You don't, you're not just, you don't just do it. You have to do it and keep getting better and keep practicing it. And so, um, you know, we've, we've definitely invested in that internally here. It's something I'm super passionate about and building up the, the communication toolbox for a lot of us, because, um, you know, not sharing is almost like, it's almost like detrimental. Um, um, but working laterally, and uh, you know, thinking about ways in which you can help complement your own strength areas, um, and also it just creates a better sense of empathy for for continuing to build up perspective, right? Because especially everything is a team sport inside a company. You don't work isolated anymore. So when someone comes knocking on your door and it's really urgent, they really need something from you. Maybe we can all take a step back and say, okay, well, tell me, tell me what's going on, versus automatically saying, no, I can't do it. Right. Um, and I think, you know, if the more that, you know, leaders and companies and people can foster that, then you're almost like re-recruiting your own people and building up that that career architecture in a much more well-rounded way versus purely a vertical way. Right. Cause some of the some of the challenges in the industry is like I show up as a software engineer right out of school. How do I get to senior software engineer? Right. Okay, hold, hold on. Sometimes a little time on the earth, certain amount of experience goes a long way. But let's look at all the dimensions that make up, you know, what we would need from you as a senior team contributor, right? And there are no participation trophies. You're going to have to broaden things out, maybe get a little more T-shaped versus just, you know, straight up and down and, um, you know, hopefully round out your, your entirety of skills and experiences over time. I think one thing that I find fascinating about what you mentioned is you know right it's it's lonely at the top but you, you mentioned that it's still important to take risks but also necessarily as you kind of rise through your career the stakes get bigger yeah, so how, how do you manage that like appetite or need for risk taking with you know gosh like there's there's only one of you and if you you know make a mistake or things yeah. don't go your way or too many people get pager duties right messages uh what do you do then or, or how do you protect against that uh, you know i think i've been very fortunate um to be surrounded by um individuals and colleagues that um you know have it's like this environment of of support and empowerment right mm -hmm. knowing that you know you build trust with people you work with you feel a little more comfortable sticking your neck out for something you might be really um, directed on or passionate about and knowing that if you fail, it's not the end of the world. You'll be supported. People help pick you back up or you get up on your own. You know that um, the, 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 the pressure to go make it right is probably in the right place versus it just saying, how could you do something wrong? You know? And I think, I've been, I honestly feel like I've been fortunate and, and very just lucky to have surrounding, you know, team members that, you know, don't, don't lose faith in you. Don't lose trust in you. 
um, when, when, you, when you make a decision and you make a call that wasn't correct or that they didn't agree with, right? And, um, you know, it's the, the lonely feeling kicks in when you might have an inkling about a thing and maybe you can't exactly share it with those that work for you. So who do you want to go brainstorm, sounding board, learn from, right? And maybe your peers on your existing team, which might be, again, heads of other departments and disciplines like at my level, or it might be an outside network you've built over the years of people to tap into and just say, hey, can I get, can we get an hour to go get coffee or go get a beer? Or um, nowadays, can I just Zoom really quick and just bounce something off you? Here's what I'm thinking. And that in itself is like invaluable. And I think a lot of us as leaders, we we love to listen, right? It's it's easily some of the best learning that can happen. Um, but you got to put time into it. You got to be intentional about it. Nothing comes for free. Um, so you have to be like like I was talking about, uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Not right. knowing the answer is an uncomfortable feeling for a leader. It's not easy. Right. Right. For, for an engineer, right? Like you, oh, you guys we, are so technical, right? The, the exact answers. Engineers, we position. love, we're wired to to be most comfortable Problem with solved. deterministic outcomes. Right. Things are going to happen in this order like this, and that's what's going to transpire, right? That's what we like. Right. That's happy place. <laughs> Life doesn't work that way, though. Right? And to build on your theme, Tim by getting that skill stack and learning other things. So let's say you move into the travel or hospitality industry. So now you have something else to offer. So not Absolutely. only do you just know that tech ecosystem in Silicon Valley or San Francisco, now you have an, a, a, you know, an affinity for a whole new, Absolutely. you know, you know, vertical and, but you didn't lose the other ones. So you still have that historic knowledge, but now you're adding to your, your, your knowledge base, a whole nother entity. And then perhaps you kind of maybe then go somewhere else different then all of a sudden you're pretty well rounded and make you I imagine you make yourself really super marketable because then a prospective employer in the future goes, oh, well you know he knows silicon valley he knows hospitality he knows travel all right wow okay this person brings a lot to the table and talking about when you mentioned about networking think about the network you're going to build it's not just going to be Absolutely. clustered in one area it's going to be now kind of diversified yes. so that when things maybe go wrong in another tenure, because we always go with these cycles, right? You know, you say the dot-com financial crisis, COVID, it's like every 10 years or so. So then every a cycle, you're kind of prepared because you have a well-planned out network of people to go to. Yeah, I um, I think that you nailed it there, Jack, in terms of the being able to like create a um, healthy amount of diversity and that diverse experience set. Um, I think goes a long way. There's so much to draw from all the variable, variable industries that are out there to then ideally bring home to your next chapter, right? And then to the to the earlier point that Rick made, just continue to build and keep building and keep building, right? Especially with your your career trajectory, your career architecture. Um, you know, we're there's um, you know I'm I'm very a I'm very thankful to be gainfully employed. I like that. <laughs> there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Um, I do think also there, there's a, a rich amount of opportunity for people to, to think about a lot of the other industries out there, especially in the world of like software engineering, systems engineering, product development, where so many industries are ripe for being able to take that next step and have like that strong digital presence, that strong digital experience. Um, everything depends on technology 
inside organizations, you know, it's not just the CTO that has the technology workers, right? The technology team members, like almost every C-level uh, member has a dependence on some part of technology. And, and that's created like a very fervent, like and wide um, pool to, to be able to play in, in terms of where do you wanna go and apply your skills? What other part of the business would you wanna learn from, right? That has very similar characteristics where, you know, uptime matters, the quality of the service matters, the, uh, the, the performance of the, of the experience matters, so on and so forth, right? And that's not just tied into, you know, IT and ops anymore. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Again, like the, a rebaselining opportunity to come and kind of reset parts of the industry and make sure that there is almost enough of that talent to go around in a very healthy and diverse manner. Thank you for that wisdom in terms of like helping us also reset our expectations or that like that Pavlovian response to someone at PagerDuty. I, I hope <laughs> our community we're here to help think of PagerDuty. We're, like, we're like that advice. We're like that little thing on your shoulder, right? We're we're watching and we're gonna tap yeah, you the on angel. the shoulder when we need your when you should be paying attention. And if you don't hear us the first time, we might tap a little harder, a little bit louder. To get your attention, say no, no, no! Right now, Rick, you need to go look at this thing. Grab your team. Let's go together. Um, and, and like I said, we're we're very motivated to help um, people be able to get their work done, do their jobs better and better. That's it for the blind ambition. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five star rating and a review, and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.